Recently, I dared a friend to try eating ketchup with cake, and I could clearly tell how repulsive it was, judging by the look of utter disgust on his face. This got me thinking about why certain food combinations taste good, while others taste so bad. And that is exactly what this episode is about. Welcome back to Crazy Classroom Conversations. I'm Yash Kumar Singhal, and today I have invited my friend and classmate, Dhruv Adhyan, to have a conversation with me about the chemistry of taste. So let's go talk to Dhruv now. Hey Dhruv. Hello, hello there. I'm glad yeah. to be here because this is really interesting stuff. I know, right? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's cool how taste is essentially just a chemical analysis, right? It's this amazing ability that we have evolved to keep us alive by uh, ensuring that we get the right nutrition, avoid toxic substances, and so that we can understand what we are ingesting. Yeah. There's also the added benefit of uh, this ability, allowing us to experience heaven through brownies, cookies, pizza, uh-huh. whatnot. Yeah. So I know a bit about the biology part of it, about how the substances in our food first need to dissolve in our saliva, reach our receptors, on our taste buds, and all that. But um, I think you know a bit more than me about the chemistry aspect of it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting, yeah. So how exactly does the ability of taste work? You know, as you said, there's saliva and taste buds and receptors and everything, but they can only taste stuff if it's, you know, present in a certain amount. What I mean by that is that there has to be like a minimum concentration, okay? And so that's called the threshold concentration. So only if the concentration of the substance is above that threshold, it can be detected by the taste receptors and the, uh, you know, the, uh, by, by the taste buds and the receptors. On top of that, it also has to be, you know, um, water or fat-soluble substances. Um, yeah, otherwise they can't reach the taste buds. Right, exactly. So you might think, you know, if um, it has to be above a certain threshold, um, you know, of concentration, then that closes down our options a lot, right? But one thing that you should actually think about and keep in mind is that our tongue is actually so powerful that it can detect down to 0.001 molar solution. Like, uh, you know, we, we can't even get to that precision with some of our scientific instruments. It's amazing. Yeah. So, um, once it's about the threshold concentration, they're mainly the five days, right? So I know why these were evolved. For example, sweet was to indicate energy-rich compounds, right? like sugars, glucose, fructose, which is why we usually like sweet things, we crave for sweet foods. Um, Saltiness was to ensure electrolyte balance and so that we're getting the right minerals. Uh, Sourness is for acids, which allows us to detect H plus ions in our food. So carboxylic acids like citric acid, acetic acid, lactic acid. Um, Bitterness would be um, so that we can avoid the natural poisons. Alkaloids like caffeine and bases like baking soda. Another interesting thing is how these plants evolved all these like natural poisons and toxins and bitter substances so that we would not eat them, right? To avoid being eaten. Yeah, yeah, like but, a defense mechanism sort of thing. I mean, exactly. But that yeah. didn't really work out for them because, yeah, clearly. <laughs> for example, coffee. Now we grow coffee because of that bitter taste, because right. of that caffeine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, it's like uh, you know, like humans are like, haha, no, not today. <laughs> Eat plants. 
Um, finally, there's umami, which is the taste of amino acids, which comes off when proteins are cooked or fermented. For example, in meats or cheeses, or even MSG, which is this notorious evil salt thing, which media <laughs> portrays it as. Yeah. But it's actually not that bad. It's just a salt. Yeah, it's not based. Relax. But taste, or, or like the dishes that we eat, aren't comprised of just these five flavors. There's right. a lot of interaction between the tastes. So yeah, I mean, imagine how boring it would be if we just had like five types of things. Exactly. Right? But uh, it's the interactions between these five things that really enable us to, you know, create complex flavors. And yeah. so one way to do that is something called suppression. For example, H plus ions in sour substances modify ion channels, increasing the sensation of saltiness. Right. And then um, uh, in chocolate, there's added sugar, which um you know obviously has sweetness and the sweet suppresses the sweetness suppresses the bitterness in that case and then mm. you have lemonade where there's mutual suppression so uh, in uh, in lemonades the sweetness and the sourness actually suppress each other so uh, so you can kind of see like how through suppression you can create so many mm. different like combinations of tastes that you can use to create more and more complex flavors correct so uh, again, I was so intrigued by my friend's reaction to eating ketchup with cake that I decided to research a bit about how ketchup actually influences flavor. So ketchup actually has a shit ton of, oh, wait, I can't say that, uh, actually has a lot of umami inducing molecules which come from glutamates in the tomatoes used to make ketchup. So right. which it essentially enhances sweetness, sourness, saltiness, all of it making ketchup taste like this really balanced and um, overall amazing condiment, right? Right. Which yeah. is why it goes so well with salty and fatty things like french fries mm. and also uh, more sweeter, tangier things like pizza. But not with cake. That's probably because ketchup just completely overpowers the natural complex flavor of right. chocolate and... Um, yeah, instead of enhancing it, it kind of yeah just um, masks it masks it yeah exactly but people do use this masking effect in uh, in cuisine for example to uh, enhance the taste or the flavor of a dish right. right i mean it's not so much in western cuisine but in eastern cuisine this kind of thing is used a lot now when you say mm-hmm. masking it's kind of like i mean it misleads a lot of people because they think it's about suppressing flavor and like uh, sort of hiding the true nature of flavors but instead mm-hmm. it's about enhancing them so in the way they do it in the in eastern cuisine is that uh, you know they use herbs and spices to bring out the true flavors you know of of the food of the base so, dish yeah right exactly and so like um, they use uh, herbs like thyme oregano coriander and so you know if you ever wondered why uh, herbs and spices are you know such a uh, such an important part of eastern cuisine, cuisine and, well yeah. this is the answer it's that uh, they this is how they develop um, you know complex flavors and this is why there's such a distinct difference between eastern cuisine and you know western cuisine it's so cool how this is not uh, like it's not done deliberately but rather it happened over year over the yeah. years with and, uh, and people like exp- uh, experimenting with different spices and uh, herbs and right. then ending up with tasty dishes and then passing those on 
right yeah and it's also interesting that you know the, through this you can see not just the influence of like the chemistry of like substances and the biology of like the human body but also mm. you can kind of see like the whole um sociological historical thing of cultures yeah. and stuff that yeah. that, that that you know influenced um like particular ways of um co- coming up with flavors in different parts of the world so that's so that's really interesting things like availability of ingredients maybe even trade routes and all that right exactly it, there are a lot of factors in the about how a certain areas uh, food developed over the years right yeah so uh, another thing is that taste is one thing right but 80% of our eating experience is actually determined by the nose well okay so it's actually not a lot of people know this like they people learn you know in their chemistry classes that mm. uh, that aromatic compounds and esters have uh, like fruities man exactly yeah. right uh, or like you know for, and and the classic one is that hydrogen sulfide has uh, rotten uh, rotten yeah. egg, rotten eggs right like you always um, hear people complaining about yeah. that in the chemistry labs right but the reason actually behind them having such dominant smells is that they actually have very weak intermolecular forces of attraction in other words it takes very little energy to actually make the molecules you know increase the separation between the molecules right so and, that they can easily diffuse and come to our noses right exactly yeah so that's the point so the uh, so what happens is when you supply this um, you know energy they can easily separate each other, separate from each other and what happens when they separate from each other they become gases right and that um that you know they and they can easily travel to our noses then so yeah. if you want to talk um, chemistry there's something called hydrogen bonding that mm. certain substances have yeah. and so you can just think of this as like a sort uh, a stronger form of an intermolecular force of attraction and so the thing is uh, you know aromatic compounds and esters they don't have hydrogen bonding they can easily travel to your nose and mm. so which means that if every if all the substances had weak enough intermolecular force of attraction um we would actually be able to smell every single substance right essentially certain things have smells because they can be smelled by us right exactly <laughs> it's not I mean, so weird but it makes sense yeah and and so that, you know it's really interesting to imagine like what it would be like um to smell like so many other things that you know we don't smell at all right like it, it i mean it's almost like that it would be like a whole world of opportunities right mm-hmm. the, or like a whole world of smells and you know uh, so that, that that would be amazing another thing that's like interesting to me about this is how easily our nose can detect subtle um you know uh, things like this in compounds like you know mm-hmm. when you when you say in like a chemistry class when you talk about intermolecular forces of attraction you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, within uh, present within certain substances and stuff it all sounds very abstract right yeah it's at such a very micro scale not even micro scale yeah right? so you might think like who cares if this is if this something doesn't have like hydrogen bonding or something Correct. but then um you know our noses can is like it's literally mm. our nose is basically like, like a sensor you know it's that and that's really that uh, detection kind of allows us to have uh, to make comparisons between what things smell like so right. if something smells like fruit we say it smells fruity and if something smells like fish it smells fishy whenever you talk about a pleasant smell or unpleasant smell you're always comparing it to something so we can't mm. ever be able to answer why 
certain uh, substances have certain kinds of smells but we can answer why you know some some substances have dominant smells right Correct. and some yeah and um uh, i actually came across the compound limonene which is the aromatic substance which uh, gives lemons and oranges their smell but they smell different so I went a little bit further and remember how we learned about chirality in chem class right and um, essentially for those who do not know chirality is when a carbon atom is bonded to four different groups right right and the arrangement of those four groups in like a 3d space on that carbon atom leads to different uh, uh, variations or isotopes as we call it right. of the the molecule yeah. turns out that our nose can actually detect this subtle differences in chirality for example uh, lemons and oranges as i was saying if you were to pass polarized light through a limonene molecule from an orange it would twist towards the left while in lemons it would twist towards the right and yeah like it's that's so complicated and yeah i mean uh, it's, like it's amazing how our nose like it's effortlessly just you know does all this like you mm. know stuff that we need like polarized light and stuff for like that's, that's we need complex equipment yeah, to do like, the things that our nose can do like that exactly like gas chromatography that's another thing right that i mean mm. it's it's amazing but um anyways back to like um how this helps create complex flavors mm. uh, research has shown that if the flavor profile and smell of a substance match it's more likely to taste better for example strawberry has roasted notes and so it's actually and so you know it's good with chocolate ah chocolate coated with strawberries yeah exactly and strawberry and for the same reason uh, strawberry also goes with parmesan because um strawberry has cheesy notes mm. so and uh, on top of this you know like profiles similar profiles also enhance each other which is why um, vanilla enhances the flavor of chocolate you know that's why everyone ah. is always putting like chocolate sauce on you know vanilla ice cream Ooh, yeah so and yeah. even like when baking with chocolate goods for example cookies and croissants and stuff right. we do add vanilla essence to all that right so what we're getting at here is the the so many complex like um and subtle chemical interactions you know, interactions and it's not just and you know these subtle differences between co- even the chirality of the compounds and their um, their intermolecular forces and all that can affect the smell which could affect mm. your taste right so next time when you eat something you should really like appreciate um you know we all should really appreciate the i guess coordination between our uh, smell and our taste and mm. and all the uh, amazing like Yeah, chemicals and all the, all the different factors just coming together so like amazing just so that we can enjoy like a pizza right and it it's also so cool how our nose and mouth are so so powerful and then there are animals like dogs and uh, sharks and others who have even more powerful uh, um, noses and mouths that can right. detect yeah. even lower threshold concentrations um which can detect even more different types of tastes and aromas yeah and it's really insane how gifted we are with this ability right which allows us to experience food in a completely different way yeah um, exactly another thing that i learned today was that uh a chef's job is really really hard because he or she mm. needs to somehow 
um, figure out the the visual aspect of the food, the taste, the aroma, the sound, texture. All yeah, of it I needs think that's to overlap why, and interact. Yeah, I think that's why you know it's like a chem. It's like a it chemistry. It is a chemistry. Basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the kitchen is lab, and yeah, they basically have to like reagents. Yeah, they have to basically reverse engineer like what our nose and our mouth actually like, and like what the conditions have to be like. You know, for for us to like something, um, you know, for us to like the taste of something, and, and that too intuitively, exactly, without really looking at the science of it. Yeah, exactly. Guys, every time you want to get your friends to eat some crazy combination, say that it's for science. <laughs> um, and that's the end of it. A big thank you to Zerv for the coming on my podcast, and uh, thank you to all of the listeners who made it to the end of another crazy classroom conversation. This one has made me really, really hungry. So I'm gonna go make myself a sandwich now. This is Yash signing off.